Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Steve Cullum, and I'll be your host for the next uh, 30 minutes or so as we dive into another great conversation with another amazing youth worker. Today, I am joined by Brett Eddy, the pastor of Student Ministries at Port City Community Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. Brett has a great story, and I'm excited for him to tell you all about that, especially about his consistency uh, to stay in the ministry for the long haul. We'll talk a lot about that. But before we do that, let's talk about our sponsors because our sponsors are amazing. They're part of the reason why this podcast keeps going each month, and let's dive into what they do and, and what they can bring to your ministry and to benefit your ministry. First up is WorkCampNE. Their website is W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P-N-E.com. They're a mission trip organization that does amazing service project-based mission trips for teenagers, college students, adults, right here in the United States. Usually they focus on the Northeast. They're actually going to Illinois for the first time this year. You can check out more about WorkCamp at their website, WorkCampNE.com. I highly recommend checking them out. It's been an amazing organization for us to partner with in our ministry for the last 10 years, so make sure you check them out. Our other sponsor is a combined sponsorship between the National Network of Youth Ministries and Reach Youth New England. We're incredibly grateful for what they do to bring youth workers together. And if you haven't checked out their websites, make sure you do so. The National Network is at youthworkers.net and Reach Youth New England is at reachyouthne.com. If you're not connected with other youth workers in your area, make sure these websites are on your browser as soon as you finish listening to this podcast. It's a great way to connect with other youth workers, like I said, and that's really all they're about is bringing youth workers together. So we want to thank WorkCamp NE, the National Network of Youth Ministries, and Reach Youth New England for all they do to sponsor this podcast and to bring awesome resources to you, the youth workers. All right, we love our sponsors, but now let's get into the conversation that you've come here for. Let's talk to Brett Eddy. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us today, Brett. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Cool. So we go way back to uh, September to DYM 100. Uh, it's a great time back there in, in, in uh, Southern California. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so uh, for people that have never heard of Brett Eddy, uh, tell us a little about yourself. What's God been doing in your life to, to bring you to the point where you are today? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I grew up in northeastern New Jersey right outside of New York City. Um, so kind of a uh, more urban upbringing than uh, a lot of my peers and a lot of people that do this now. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I grew up in church. I grew up going to church. It was a Baptist church. I was pretty much born in the nursery. Um, you know, I went to the, the church, ran a Christian school. I went to the Christian school from preschool all the way through 12th grade. So I had a pretty sound biblical upbringing. I accepted Christ when I was in second grade. I remember it uh, to this day. I was in the little school library with the old librarian. We actually share a birthday, which is kind of cool. <laughs> um, and we actually call each other still on our birthdays. Uh, she, We don't know how old she is. She she will not tell anybody. We're waiting until she dies to find out in the obituary, and she may not even have it in there. So, um, but you know, she talked about Jesus, and it resonated with me with that day. Um, and so, I just put, remember putting my faith in Christ on that day in second grade. Um, went to college actually to um, 
be a doctor. Um, I didn't plan on doing student ministry. Um, although, and I look back now, there were so many things in my life that kind of led to me doing student ministry. My church ran a day camp. And from the time I was in sixth grade, all the way through graduating out of college, um, I worked every summer as a day camp counselor, working with kids. I loved hanging out with kids. I was the oldest of four siblings, so I was always around younger kids, and I loved doing that kind of stuff, but never thought of it as a job, although I was always intrigued by ministry. I just thought I was going to be a doctor. So um, went to school for uh, biology, and after a year of that, realized I hated being in lab while all my friends were out playing uh, frisbee on the quad. So um, I switched to something else that actually came really naturally to me as well, which was uh, English. And um, I liked writing. I liked reading. I love grammar. I'm one of those weird people. Uh, And... uh, so, and I, but I put, I combined that with a secondary degree in education. So I knew I wanted to teach, be involved with kids. So I pursued teaching, went back home to the same Christian school that I had gone to, taught there for a year, actually ended up teaching two of my siblings that were at the school as well, which was always interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, they they couldn't get away with anything because I was going to tell mom. Um, so, um, and then when I got married, my wife and I moved down here to Wilmington, North Carolina, and I couldn't get a teaching job at first. And eventually, worked some temp jobs, got a long term sub position, and ended up hating it. <laughs> it was right after nine eleven. The kids mm-hmm. were kind of crazy. Uh, they were mid to low end, you know. Ability-wise, I had a bunch of autistic kids in my class, and it just was a really tough situation. I was I was waking up in the morning, throwing up, stressing myself out about going to teach, and I'm wow. like, this is crazy. I've just spent four years of my life preparing for this, and I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. So I quit that um, after about two, three months and um, cleaned carpets for the next year and a half. Um, kind of a weird way to get involved in student ministry, but um, my, uh, my church – at the time was brand new. It started in 1999. And they had one service. And in the summers, they gave their children's ministry directors the opportunity to go to church. Um, And they asked for people to kind of just fill in over the summer. Hmm. So I decided I would go ahead and fill in over the summer. I could deal with kids as long as they weren't middle or high school kids. (laughs) I was burned by that age group. Um, And in the process of volunteering that summer, met the guy who was the volunteer director of our student ministry at the time. And he convinced me finally to start volunteering with the student ministry. And I fell in love with it. Hmm. Uh, eventually became the director um, as a volunteer basis. Uh, moved for, almost 14 years ago, moved on to staff part-time. Another year, actually six months later, was on staff full-time. So I've been at this church for... Um, you know, attending for almost 16 years on staff for almost 14 and full time for just over 13 years. So, and, and the church is like 17 years old, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So 1999. Um, so yeah, just over 17 years old. Wow. Yep. So see so almost the whole life of the church. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It's uh, really the two guys that started it and maybe two or three other staff members are on staff a little bit longer than me. Other than that. Yeah. It's kind of strange to last at a place this long as I hear more and more stories of youth pastors and kind of what they go through. So I, feel, I really feel privileged to have been able to stay here as long as I have. It hasn't always been easy. Um, I, I, you know, I, I came in to do uh, the whole ministry, and then when we split our middle school ministry, I took it over for a year. Then eventually, the guy that I came on staff with to do high school ministry was kind of uh, he was at, he was basically asked to leave staff, and I inherited the high school ministry at that point. Um, and so, and then, and then there was a period of about ten years that I was doing both ministries. 
um, together. You know, they were meeting separately, mm-hmm. but I was overseeing both of them, and it was really stressful. And it mm-hmm. got to the point, a couple new staff members coming on and off staff, and me just going through the learning process of leadership and learning, do I really want to do student ministry? Is this really what my life is going to be? Having three kids in the process, um, dealing with the financial stress of being in ministry. I got to the place about five years ago where the staff, um, the senior leadership asked me to step out of my director role. Mm. Um, I was not emotionally at a good spot, not spiritually at a good spot. I was trying too hard, putting so much pressure on myself. It's kind of a recurring story with me is putting a lot of pressure on myself um, to succeed. Um, I was able to stay on staff because they saw value in me being on staff, but they just didn't know where at that point. A couple months later, I did come back on staff in the student ministry in just a small group's capacity. Uh, We brought in a new director of student ministries. And I eventually was restored into like a leadership directing role in the middle school ministry where I've been the last three years. And now the guy we brought in to do our uh, to direct our student ministry is now our family ministry director. And so this year I've started back in the same role I had years ago, which is <laughs> directing the whole student ministry. So it's been kind of a journey. Yeah. Not, but most people in ministry realize, I think, you know, I think you've been in ministry for a while. Yep. Um, it's not always easy. It's actually harder more often than it's not. Definitely. Yeah. And good for your church to just really come alongside you. Did you feel really, I mean, obviously they I may was, listen, so you're still with them. So I think yeah, the relationship is good, but really yeah. ticked off at first. Cause I was mm. blind. I was blind to where I really was. Um, you know, my wife at the time were struggling relationally, mm. you know, nothing major, just still not seeing, they were just, everything in my life was just out of sorts and in, in some way. And, um, so at first I was really angry and I didn't understand it. And now through the perspective of the couple of years, I mean, I was really grateful that I still had a job. Um, but now I've understood, you know, it took me about six months to really understand how valuable it was to have a, a leadership staff here at the church that saw something in me. And I think a lot of leadership is going to say, you know what, let's just move on to what's next. Yep. But from the, from the get-go, my senior pastor told me, we're not hiring you for what you do now. This is 14 years ago. We're not mm-hmm. hiring you for what you can do now. We're hiring you for what you can do in 20 years. Wow. And that's kind of, they've always had a long-term perspective, which has been really, really helpful, obviously, because I'm still on staff, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, but, you know, there's still struggles and times where I'm like, am I supposed to be doing student ministry? Is this really what I'm going to do? And I think sometimes it's like the financial stress kind of mm-hmm. gets in there and it's like, man, I could be doing something where I'm making a little bit more money. My family would be a little bit more comfortable. Yep. Is this what I, you know, I'm, I'm 38. Is this, I'm getting to a point where, is this what I'm doing for my life? <laughs> and, um, so I think it's normal to have those moments and I think I've settled into, yeah, I can do this because I can find other little side jobs right. <laughs> to make ends meet. So yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally get it. Especially the financial things. It's things that my wife and I have been talking about here and there. Like, man, you know, I, this is, I'm pretty sure this is what God wants us to do, but okay, we're going to have to think creatively sometimes. And I think when you settle in that, that, you know, this is where God wants me, you can start to trust him more. Um, it's not always easy, but you can start to trust him more and, and, and you see him providing. Yeah. And I think a, a, one thing that really has helped me over the last probably five years is other people really seriously speaking into me and saying, you are wired for Mm -hmm. this. And and my wife was always telling me, look, you would be so unhappy if you left this mm-hmm. and you started doing a desk job or one that you had to be, you know, specific hours, She's, you know, and then it's people speaking into you. And like I said, it's really important to have people around you who can see what you're doing and speak value into that because there are just moments where it's like, 
this is really hard. Um, so anyway, that's, I think that's really helped recently and being able to because I do feel like I'm in my sweet spot in a leadership position that I think is, you know, it, it's weird to think, you know, am I going to be at 45, you know, seven mm-hmm. years from now and still relevant to students? <laughs> and I think the truth is we're always relevant if we care about them. Right. Um, the, the cool thing is, I mean, my kids are going to be going through middle school and high school over the next 10 to 15 years. So there's that window where I'm still going to be relevant because I'm going to know because I'm living it, you know. Yep. So that is an advantage that you have when you start having kids. Right. And I think we we just have – my wife and I were just talking about this the other day. Like, <laughs> I think one of those times when you just realize, why do, why, why do they keep coming back? Like, why, why, like, we're not cool. We're not, you know, we're not – definitely not the best thing, you know, they, they can be doing. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing that, that we have over the vast majority of other adults is that we actually care about them. Like we truly yep. want to get into their lives and know what's yep. going on and help them to, to grow in their relationship with God, help them to be better people and, and really do, you know, show them love. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure your ministry of most people who are listening to this would probably agree that, that there are so many kids that are coming into our ministries that are so broken and they're, they're broken because of the brokenness of their families. Mm. Um, and you know, we, we just had a leader share with us this, this week, um, in one of our leader meetings for our middle school ministry that one of her girls shared with her that this is the best thing that she does on Wednesday Mm -hmm. nights. Wednesday's her favorite day because she gets to come to our ministry. And I think what that says is she, I think somewhere inside there is a, you value me, you, uh, show me attention. And Mm -hmm. so many, so many teenagers are not shown that attention. And like I said, the brokenness is showing, um, in the way that they're choosing to live their lives. And we have, we're one of the the only places that's going to allow them to be who they are and value them for just who they are, but is also going to care enough about them to not let them stay that way. Right. That's great. So, so let's jump into your programming and your ministry. Uh, what's it, what's it look like? Um, if I'm, you know, reading correctly, I think on your website, I saw you guys have multiple campuses for your church. Yes. And so maybe we can talk about, you know, what that looks like and, and what your role is and yeah, just dive into, you know, what's the ministry look like? Okay. Well, I've, we just have recently taken strength finders. I don't know if anybody else has taken strength finders and I found out that one of my, my number one strength, strength is context. So I'm going to have to give you a little bit of context for our ministry and where we've gone through. Uh, you know, we have a long time modeled a lot of what we did off of North Point, um, saw a lot of the value of kids going from, you know, large group environment where you have a master teacher setting up a concept and then going and having a conversation directly about it. So for the last decade, that was primarily what we did on Sundays. So our middle school ministry would meet at, say, the nine o'clock service and at the four o'clock service, and then we'd have a six o'clock high school ministry. They were doing essentially the same thing, you know, varied topics, sometimes doing the same thing, sometimes not, but always with this idea of, you know, lead small, mm-hmm. you know, like a lead small culture, all that kind of stuff. We were doing that before those books came out because we were modeling after what they were doing at North Point. Um, what we've learned over the last couple of years is we shifted our middle school ministry to actually be completely a hundred percent on Wednesday nights. Um, we, you know, in reading some of the research that was out there about kids and their um, leaving the church after high school, we said we looked at our programming and realized that they go from our middle school through high school ministry, they can go seven years and never enter an adult service except for maybe on Easter mm-hmm. or 
Christmas, you know, and so we just felt that there was a, a much more of a value of our middle schoolers and high schoolers sitting in service with their parents, with adults, surrounded by people, not necessarily because of what they're going to get out of the service from the message, but what they're going to they're going to experience by sitting alongside of adults and seeing that there are actually adults who want to live their life for mm. Jesus. And so we moved all of our, our programming for middle school onto Wednesday nights. And so what we do currently is, you know, from 6.30 to 7, kids can come and hang out at our, our space. Seven, You know, very typical of most ministries, you mm-hmm. know, hangout time, little cafe, all that kind of stuff. Seven, about 45 minutes worth of programming, including, you know, worship, singing, uh, game, you know, and a, about a 15-minute talk. And then they go for about 45 minutes of small group. So we wrap up around 830 and everybody goes home and we have seen explosive growth because it's a lot more of a non-church off of a Sunday environment. Mm-hmm. So lots of kids are bringing their friends and, you know, it has to do with the culture we're creating here too. But um, Wednesday is a great night for that. Our high school ministry has always been on Sunday night, and we're still on Sunday nights, but we did a major program shift um, this year. Um, We have moved to once-a-month gatherings for our campus here um, in in our space where we have a longer, larger service, more singing, longer talk, uh, setting up a series. And then what we're doing is community groups. We found people to host in their homes multiple small groups meeting together to hang out. We produce a video message that's about 10 minutes long, and they all gather together, watch the video message, and they split up in the homes into their various small groups, age and uh, you know gender split, mm-hmm. and have conversations there. And it's been a struggle. It's been a little bit of a challenge, but we are seeing that in, in the long run, this is going to be the way for our community that high schoolers are going to engage a little bit better. And I feel like they're, we're already seeing it. They're bringing their friends to those community mm-hmm. groups because it's a lot more comfortable in my environment than bringing them into a church on a Sunday. So that's kind of how we're structuring our our current program here at our campus. Our other campuses, they kind of have flexibility and freedom to how they want to do the student ministry. We've started three campuses, well, four considered ours a campus. We've started four campuses in four different ways. So we don't have a cookie cutter uh, out of the box approach. And those ministries at those other campuses can kind of have a little bit of freedom to do that. And as far as like reporting goes, um, I, you know, have all of our staff here at this campus that report to me. And those uh, minist- the youth pastors at our other campuses have a dotted line of to, connected to me as okay. far as reporting, and they have a solid line of reporting to their campus pastor. So I don't really have oversight over what they're doing. Their campus pastor does. I can certainly help and speak into it, mm-hmm. and I do. But um, that's just kind of how our, our church has decided to structure things. Okay, And it has a lot to do with the proximity of our campuses. Okay. We have one campus that's really close, but our other two are up to an hour to an hour and a half away from us. All right. So it makes it a little hard to have that oversight being that far away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's really interesting. Like with the the rise of multi campus churches and everything, it's always been in the back of my mind. Like, okay, how do you do student ministry in that context? Because that's that's something different. It's like we've we've kind of learned, you know, the best practices of you know how to do worship services and things like that. But yeah, I think student ministry is still evolving, and and it can look entirely different. Yeah, and it, it looks entirely different an hour and a half away from where we are. So Wilmington, where I am, is a really great beach community, uh, very um, multi-cultural uh, kind of like uh, people from all over the country move to Wilmington because it's a great place to live. 
Um, and so it's a, uh, you know, it's a town or a county of over 200,000 people. Okay. Um, but our campuses that are a little further away in uh, New Bern, North Carolina and Jacksonville are a lot smaller communities, a different type of student. Mm. Um, and Jacksonville is a military town. Okay. So that you're dealing that then with the military aspect. And so for us to come and say, hey, here's how to do ministry. <laughs> It doesn't work that way because it's different kids. It's a different culture. And um, I do think that there are guiding principles that we want to have as part of our culture in our yep. church. But there's got to be some flexibility. Yeah. So you'd say maybe like the, the the fact that you do want to kind of follow in North Point's way of, you know, really large group into small group, you know, sort of mentality. They could kind of implement that. But what yep. night of the week and what they teach about and exactly and how they structure it could yep. could vary. Yeah, and cur- curriculum-wise, we've gone from um, writing some of our own stuff to we've done writing all of our own stuff to, um, okay, now we're going to get stuff from DYM or we're going to get – and we do subscribe to XP3, the orange kind of mm-hmm. curriculum. Um, and so – but our even our campuses have the prerogative to – if they want to do their own series, they can. Um, a lot of times our other campus pastors are emailing or texting me, hey, can you grab this series mm-hmm. off of XP3? This is what I'm doing next. I'm like, okay, I'll grab it, and I put it up to the in the box, and they can grab it. But mm-hmm. So we do kind of try to stay similar curriculum-wise by using mainly Orange um, XP3 curriculum, mm-hmm. which for middle school has gotten by far so much better in yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah, so I agree. Yeah. yeah, when when they launched that, I was like, oh, this is a godsend because it's, yeah, it's yeah. so good and it connects Before, with our it was middle just schoolers. slap a couple of questions, yeah. uh, different questions on the high school material. I was yep. like, that's not middle school material. Right. When they started specifically writing it, like changed the game for middle school ministry. Totally, yep. Yeah, and I, I think I, I really like how you you've had you've made that switch from your high school groups to you know to meeting in homes and everything. It's it's something I've thought about too, but but I, I think it's int- it's really important that you mention you know your context and everything because you know we're trying to figure out will that sort of thing work for our group. We don't want to just do it because another church is doing it and it's yeah. and this went well. But is this something got- that will work for us? Yeah, that's the, honestly that is probably one of the major reasons I got in trouble years ago because I was comparing us to other ministries, mm. and um, I put so much pressure on myself to say, well, if North Point or Saddleback or some other big church is able to do this and we're following a similar style, why are we not seeing the same life change, mm. the same growth that these other places are? And I finally had to realize. We are who we are. Mm. We can learn principles from these others, other ministries, but I have, I'm responsible for what happens in the Wilmington campus of Port City Community Church. And there are things I can learn and I can implement, but I, I am not required to be some other ministry. Mm-hmm. And God's going to do what he wants to do in our ministry anyway. And we finally let go and said, what do we want to do? What's going to really work on our community? We've seen, started seeing the results that we really wanted to see. Cool. That's great. So some great tips and, and things you've learned there. Um, anything else you'd like to share that you've picked up along the way that you'd like to share with other youth workers? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things and, – and obviously I've got a great context. I've got a great environment where I've been able to grow and able to develop and I've been able to stay a long time and I've been taken care of. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know that not every youth pastor has that. I think uh, honestly it's sad – as you look at blogs and you look at um, different groups online, the story of difficult situations is a lot more prevalent than 
than what I've experienced. But I would try to encourage youth pastors to bloom where you're planted, to try as much as possible to stay where you are as long as you're able to, if it's a healthy environment, even if it's not healthy for a season. I just think there's so much um, leverage that you gain in the lives of students and families and in your church the longer you can stay planted and figuring out how to bloom where you're, you are. Obviously, there are times when God's calling you somewhere else, um, and, that, and I, I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like working through difficult stuff and staying there. Um, um, because you earn so much credibility yeah. by doing that. And that, I think, is just as important as the, uh, you know, and many other things in student ministry are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I, it's something I've learned. Yeah, it came natural to me. It's just the way I'm wired, um, which I'm very grateful yeah. for now. Yeah. Um, but especially in ministry in New England, um, where oh, trust gosh. is hard to earn. And once you get it, you're like, oh, man, that it took such a long time for me to finally break through these walls. But right. if if I were to, you know, give up three, four years into the ministry, you know, I would have never gotten that trust and yeah. I would have never, how, you know, really made a difference. How long have you been where you are? Uh, going on 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost, you have to get to that point, especially somewhere up in New England where, you know, the the reputation of the church, you've got to do what you got to do to stay there and Mm -hmm. build that. Um, I think, I think there's a mentality too. um, Like I remember um, growing up in youth ministry and my youth pastor, um, you know, being a youth pastor was just a step to becoming a (laughs) senior pastor. Luckily that for us, that's changed a little bit. Like you can stay in student ministry, but I still think there's some of that mindset of what's the next ministry? What's the bigger place to be? Where's the next place I'm moving? I think sometimes we can see the grass is greener somewhere else and move on to something else where you got to figure out sometimes how to bloom where you are. Yeah. Cool. Uh, any other tips? Yeah. There was one more thing I I was thinking about when you asked me to uh, think of tips. Um, and I need to write a blog post. I just haven't figured out how to write this one yet, but it's something I actually learned in Kenya. Um, and I, I've been to Kenya a couple of times. Our church has a great relationship with a uh, pastor and a ministry there. All the time I would go there, I've been there twice, we would always come back and um, the people who had gone on the trip, you go to Kenya and these people have nothing. They don't have anything, and they're so happy, and their church services are so full of life and so full of excitement, mm-hmm. and um, they don't have smoke or lights or sometimes amplification. Um, you know, They don't have all the things, slides and projectors and all that stuff, and the people are able to engage in worship. And we would come back, and people would say, well, why can't we do that here? Why can't, why can't it be like that here in America? And the mm. truth is, I think what you have to do is that works in Kenya because it's Kenya. Mm. You have to figure out what is going to work in your culture um, and what is going to work for your environment and do that. Um, I think it's good to learn. Like I said earlier, it's good to learn principles. There are things that you can take away, but I don't think we ever have to feel the pressure to do something that isn't going to culturally work where we are. And it's okay. And the other thing it made me think of is that um, I think the principle I've always taken for that is um, what they do in Kenya isn't better or worse. It's just different. Mm. Um, what we do here in America isn't necessarily better or worse. It's just different and that's okay. Um, and the other principle I've kind of pulled out of that is that, and this is going to sound inappropriate, but size doesn't matter. <laughs> um, 
I think a lot of times I looked at other ministries that were bigger and I just wanted to be bigger because mm-hmm. it was, you know, like a pride thing to have more students coming. And the more our church grew and grew and the ministry grew, now I'm looking at churches that don't have as many students and I'm like, man, sometimes I wish I didn't have as many because I'd have such better relationships <laughs> yeah. with the kids or much better relationships. There are leaders. I don't know their names right now because there are just too many leaders. I don't know. I can't know everybody. Mm-hmm. And the size of the ministry doesn't matter. It's, um, you know, do, do what you're doing, what works for you, um, and be grateful for what you have. Um, just don't put pressure on yourself to be someone that you're not yeah. and to, for your ministry to be something that it isn't. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that the, uh, and this I found myself is, I hate it. I hate that it happens, but it's that competitive nature almost oh, yeah. in us that we like, oh, that church is doing well. We got to, we got to do better than them or something. They're like, and we so quickly forget we're on the same team. Yep. We're, we're all, we're all doing this for Jesus. Why, why am I competing? Why do I, am I jealous of them or any of that sort of thing? We're, we just got to figure out what works for us. And I think it's something that you eventually grow out of. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're walking, if you're, you know, doing what you need to do to grow spiritually and become more like Christ, I think it's something you eventually grow out of and you realize, man, what everybody else is doing is great for them. And I hope it, it you know, I hope they're doing a great job reaching students because we are all on the same team and I'm responsible to do, I'm only responsible to be Brett Eddie. That's all I'm responsible to be. Mm -hmm. God's wired me to be specifically who I am and he's placed me where I am for a specific purpose. And I just have to do that. And when I do that, I find I'm happier. I have more joy. I feel more fulfilled because I'm not putting pressure on myself to be anyone other than who he's created me to be. That's great. Cool. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, I'm sure people are going to want to connect with you, um, sure. find out more about you, maybe ask you more questions. Where yeah. is the best place for people to go to find you? Um, probably Facebook. Um, you know, just search my name, uh, Brett, B-R-E-T-T, Eddie, E-D-D-Y. I am on Twitter, um, as well. I don't use it as often, but, um, but you, you might, maybe my email address would be the best place to reach out to me. It's, uh, Brett, B-R-E-T-T dot Eddie, E-D-D-Y at portcitychurch.org. And, um, I'd love to connect. Um, I've got, you know, see if you probably at this point where you realize you're no longer necessarily always the one looking for help. Their people are now coming to you for help yeah. and you actually have something to offer. And it's kind of a weird transition. It is a very place. weird transition. I remember the first couple times it happened. I'm like, what? Really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause a lot of times I just feel like I don't really know, yeah. but, um, Hey, I think just speak with confidence and they'll yeah. believe you. So <laughs> That's like my dad. We would watch uh, Jeopardy when we were kids, and he would watch Jeopardy, and he would give the answer every single time. And half the time he was wrong, probably more than half the time he was wrong, but at least he said it with confidence and sounded like he was right. (laughs) So That's great. Well, thank you again so much for for joining us today. And, um, yeah, everybody, make sure you connect with Brett. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Steve, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've never been on a podcast before, so this is a first, and I, I enjoyed it. Thank you so well, much. I'm sure there'll be many more down the line. Okay. <laughs> All right, God man. God bless your ministry. You too.
I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation just as much as I enjoyed having that conversation. Uh, If you want to check out more from Brett, make sure you check him out online, connect with him, especially if you're wanting to know more about staying in ministry for the long haul. I think it's something it's it's really interesting and important. I think for for youth workers that are starting out from scratch and they're thinking, you know, how do I do this for years and years and years? Especially when they hear of you know some bad stories uh, with other youth leaders and everything. And then you know you think about you know comparing to other churches and other ministries and and seeing what they're doing. And it's really difficult, I think, sometimes to have that mindset. Uh, you know, I'm going to be in here as long as God wants me, and I'm 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 shooting for the long haul and that you know we see so many benefits for actually doing that so thanks so much to Brett for being on the podcast today be sure to check him out online and also make sure you check out our sponsors workcamp ne is at workcampne.com the national network of youth ministries is at youthworkers.net and reach youth new england at reachyouthne.com we thank them for their sponsorship and we thank you for tuning in every month to listen to this podcast to share it with others that you think might enjoy it as well make sure you leave a comment where you subscribe to these podcasts and and just let it rise up to the top so that other people can find it Make sure you share it, all that stuff. We are so grateful for what you do to help this podcast keep going. And also be sure to connect with me. If you have someone that you think really needs to be on here and that I need to interview in the future, make sure you connect with me. You can find me at Steve Cullum on Twitter. Connect with me on Facebook or Instagram or email me or whatever. Um, All my contact information is there on the website at thestudentministrypodcast.com. So make sure you connect with me. And above all, may God bless your ministry.